What's up? It's Kiddish Club. It's news for Jews. And the summer is here. Camp is going to start any minute, which is music to the ears of many parents out there. But until camp starts, there's that in-between <laughs> stage. Right. It's a very trying That's time. That's the tough time. If yes. you can make it in that gap week, then you can do anything. Yeah. So I'm giving fair warning. I'm not in a good mood. Gap week is upon me. I don't like the summer. I don't like hot weather. I like the cold. Because when it's cold, you could bundle up and be comfortable. But when it's hot, there's nothing you could do. You are not going to have a lot of company in that I opinion. I, I'm right? aware. It's like a das yachid. I know. You're, the, you're a sun person. You're constantly out there in the sun, laying in the sun. I don't get I it. I like to think that I'm, I'm very versatile. Like I, I can appreciate winter. I love fall. I, I, I love the spring. <laughs> Why are you so happy? I'm not happy. Tone it down, bro. <laughs> Tone it down. This is too much This is for supposed you. to be a serious episode. It's not supposed to be a funny episode. Right. Okay. Okay. We'll keep it serious. A How lot going on. How was your Father's on. Day? How was your Father's Day? Um, it was... That good? It, <laughs> it was decent. Okay. You know, I got some wishes. You know, Ooh, okay. not enough cards. And, okay. and that's it. What about you? Uh, about the same. Really? About the same. But I can't really complain because I don't... You know, I don't make a big deal about Mother's Day, so can't really complain about Father's Day if you're not putting in the effort for yeah, Mother's but, Day. But the kids, like, isn't it good? Like, some people say every single day is Mother's Day. Oh, yeah. Come Nobody on. says that about Father's Day. That's true. Right? But No one's this- like, every day is Father's Day. No, nobody says that. So at least let, let us have this one day. Yeah, but you know what? It's the same thing like your anniversary, right? How, how is it that every married couple's anniversary is all about... The wife, and not about the husband. Right, that's true. Right? If, I don't know it, how true that okay. is. Some uh, people like exchange gifts. Okay, let me paint a picture for you. You forget your wife's anniversary. What happens? You're in hot water. Okay, your wife forgets your anniversary. What happens? Mm. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> Did Absolutely. you forget it's our anniversary? How could you? Exactly. Never happened. Never happened, and you wouldn't care. And nothing would happen. Right. Right? Okay. So that tells you everything you need to know. But I'm talking from just from the kids' standpoint, right? Like, don't you want them to at least have a day just to appreciate you? Isn't that... What about birthday? Listen, Father's Day, Mother's Day, it was invented by Hallmark. It's not a real thing. But it's not a bad thing. Okay. It's something it got onto the calendar somehow, Right. What about so that that is why you know to a degree I celebrate it to a degree not you know major but okay right, you're not wearing it. a tuxedo no on Father's Day <laughs> no 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 I got my wife a card appreciate you you know mm-hmm. I tell the kids you know make mommy a card right you know that's it and she should tell the kids make daddy a card but that didn't happen really yeah shots fired this could be yeah. again because and I didn't care I didn't care in the least. And same like the anniversary. Also, by the way... I think men are just not... I think men are not wired that way. With feelings <laughs> and emotion? <laughs> no. It's just, I don't know, for some reason, this is back burner stuff. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. We care more about, you know... Making ends meet. That's a big one. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot on our heads. We do. We do. Uh, we're also just passing Juneteenth. Happy Juneteenth. <laughs> Is that Thank what you, you say? Is that, I, is I that the appropriate? Maybe it's Merry Juneteenth. Hmm. You don't know. We don't know. It's still in its infancy, this holiday. It is. And you know what? It's it's a federal holiday, and it's a day off for most. And unless you own a bank, you can't really complain. 
Right. Why? I'm seeing such hate from people about Juneteenth. Could you explain this to me? I just think it's change. People are not doing well with change. Is that? No. Just, it's more than that. It's more than that. I even heard someone, you know, making late sunness about it. And it was really a little ugly. I, I don't get it. You know, African-American people are celebrating the fact that they're no longer slaves. That kind of reminds me of a holiday that we celebrate and that we remember many times every single day. Yeah, we can relate. Right? Yes. There's as a Ju- lot as of Jewish, As Jewish people, we should be able to relate. Right? Clearly. The Torah tells us, you know, be kind to the stranger because you were strangers in Egypt. Like, these are mitzvahs. Like, we're supposed to be a light unto the nations, right? What? Part of being a light into the nations is acknowledging other people's suffering and saying, yeah, you're no longer suffering. That's a good thing. So you want to say Juneteenth is a derisa? <laughs> Not a derisa, derabonin. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you're you know? putting it on the map. No, it is derabonin, right? Biden only established it as a federal holiday in 2021. But uh, yeah, I, I, I really don't have a problem with it. And I don't understand why so many people do. And that's... That's what I'm going to say about that. Okay, you're on the record, so. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I'm happy to say we did get uh, a whole bunch of voice notes again. Uh, I do want to play one or two. I don't think we'll get to all of them. But um, this one, I think, was apropos because uh, we got called out. And um, truth is, I think it was rightfully so. Uh, I want to play it for you here. You guys were both brought up in New York. I'm sorry to say, but he's not Stam announcer, and he's not announcer for WFAN Sports Radio. He's John Sterling. He's a legend. He's 85 years old, and he's been announcing the Yankee games for the last 40-plus years. He's not Stam announcer. You should be ashamed of yourself for not knowing who John Sterling is. So I love that voice note because, number one, he's right. And I told you at the time, I was like, I know this voice this is not Stam announcer, and and but okay, but and you covered time. it. You just said, mm, nah, it's nobody special. Yes, Meanwhile, it it's John Sterling, and when as soon as I heard his voice note, I was like, of course, that's John Sterling. Wait, so you knew the name John Sterling? Yes. Oh, so you're better than I. Yes. Because when I heard the voice note, I'm like, okay, John Sterling. But I did feel a little dumb being a New Yorker, getting called out because like he's, he's 85. A, he's a legend. He is a legend because he's an announcer. Do you understand he's like – I mean he's no different than Tucker Carlson in the world of sports, right? Everybody knows him. He's been around forever and that's why I knew that voice. But listen, we make no uh, – we never try to imply that we know sports. We're very open about the fact that we know nothing about sports. Zero. And you can't really fault us for not knowing who John Sterling is. I, but he has a tiny. He, 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 you can't dismiss his voice note and say, oh, I'm just not into sports. No. It's like when I heard that voice note, I was transported back into like the fifth grade, being the kid who didn't play sports and didn't know anything about sports and just being that geek. Well, you've been served. Yeah, I have. And uh, as Greenspan said, we should be calling this podcast Geek and Freak. And I was wondering who the geek was and who the freak was. But I think we kind of know. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. It's pretty clear. But I think I'd rather be the geek than the freak. Um. In certain ways. Okay. In certain ways, I understand you. You seem to be okay with the free yeah, part. Yeah, I am. Okay. I am. Okay, good. So, um, it actually reminded me of, a, of another uh, funny video that I saw. And uh, again, since we don't know much about sports, but I'll just tell you a little bit about it, and then I'll play the vid. 
so there's a player on the Nuggets called Nikola Jokic, and he's a Serbian. So it seems that he's like the only player in the NBA that really just doesn't want to be doing it at all. And he was asked about it, and um, he was asked about you know winning and winning the playoffs or what. I don't even know if they won the playoffs, but he was asked by the press. Uh, and here's some of the things he had to say. Nikola Jokic learned that when you go deeper in the playoffs, it means that you have to wait longer to go back to Serbia. Like, I have never seen someone care less about winning the NBA Finals. Because when he was asked about it, he said this. Now you are an NBA champion, Nikola. How does that feel? It's good. It's good. The job is done. We can go home now. Like, bro, didn't want to have a game six in Miami because he just wants to go home. He was having zero fun popping bottles of champagne in the locker room after the game. And when he was asked about what the sport of basketball means to him, he said this. You know, nobody likes his, uh, his job or maybe they do. They're lying. Basketball is Jokic's side hustle, so he can pay for his horses in Serbia. So while some people are hating, I think this lack of care and pressure is what makes him so good. And the best part was easily when he found out that he couldn't leave the U.S. yet because he was going to be forced to go to the Nuggets parade. And if you're looking forward to a parade coming up in Denver. When is parade? When is parade? Thursday. No. <laughs> You'd think he works at the DMV. <laughs> He just can't wait to get out of there. He just wants to go back to Serbia. He he owns like a ranch or something. I looked it up, and he just wants to get out of get out of Dodge. But he, but the money's just too good, right? But he's just unhappy. And what about when they when they say, uh, "Do you love what you do?" And he's like, "No, not really." <laughs> but nobody really loves what they do. I'm just like everybody else. Yes, you know, we just work to work. <laughs> so we also got uh, this voice note. Hey, how are you? Just wanted to congratulate you on reaching the next stage in podcasting. You finally got a mattress-related advertiser. Um, this is Ben Shapiro levels. First of all, first of he, all, I like his tone. <laughs> I was just gonna say, you know, very intimate. Is is he drunk? I hope not. Imagine people are sending us drunk voice notes that's a whole nother level we can do a whole show just on drunk voice notes it would be amazing it would be amazing but like that was weird but but yeah congratulations to us for getting a mattress sponsor if you said kiddish club and ben shapiro in the same sentence we're friends that's a win right and speaking of mattresses once again this episode was sponsored by bedtime if you want to have the best sleep of your life and you want a amazing mattress that rivals all of the top mattresses that are out there. Sealy, Serta, Posturepedic. But you want to pay up to 50% less than those retail prices. You need to speak to bedtime. And if you mention this ad, you will get free delivery in the tri-state area. The number to call is 917-923-3644. Of course, that will be in our show notes. Give them a try. Give them a call. We guarantee you will have the best sleep of your life. That's just strong words. Okay, take it back. <laughs> I don't guarantee anything. They're paying us for this. I honestly don't. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, no. They really are good. We wouldn't... We w Listen, we would not put an advertiser if we didn't believe in them. Okay, that's a lie. We would. <laughs> oh, I mean, look, we got, I'm not going to lie for the kiss. No, I, I think most things... I would not plug a product that I didn't believe in. Nine times out of ten, I've used the product that I'm advertising. I believe it in and... Did you use bedtime for mattresses? Yes. You did? Yes. Wow. That's right. And? Delicious. Couldn't be happier. Could not be happier. Excellent. Nice.
Okay, going back to our voice notes. So we also got uh, this voice note. Hi, my name is Goldie. I'm a licensed therapist. Um, I really wanted to reach out and let you guys know that your podcast is really awesome. You guys make me laugh. You bring me all the Jewish news. I I just, kudos to you both. Um, I did have a concern. I felt like it was kind of my duty to, you know, share this. But um, there's one individual that uh, is suffering from anxiety uh, all, all the time, actually. I'm, I'm, I'm always hearing that, um, you know, you're scared of a lot of things. You have anxieties about them. I, I want to let you know that there is help out there. Um, I am a, a licensed therapist. I have a private practice. You can reach out to me. Um, I have some male colleagues that, you know, if you'd be more comfortable with a male therapist, I, I just, I really... I want to share with you that you can beat this. Um, you don't have to let it own you and control you. You can, you can control it, and and there's so much power in that, and no shame at all. So yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. I want to let you guys know that you are really awesome, and keep pumping them out because we we love them. <laughs> you know what? We put the call out for therapists. And we got the response. Exactly. Exactly. We, we appreciate the, it. Yeah, yeah. But you. But can you see now you are professionally diagnosed? Yeah. I, I don't know if I feel better or worse. I think worse. I'm no, pretty but you're sure you're validated. Yeah. Yeah. Goldie, first of all, thank you. We appreciate your listenership. We appreciate the kind words. Um, I don't. <laughs> I don't think I'm as bad <laughs> as I make it out to be. You know what I mean? No, it's worse. Yeah, it is worse. <laughs> So I'll be reaching out to a therapist, licensed therapist, uh, forthcoming. It, in the next episode, I'll be discussing my first therapy. Wow. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I got psyched. <laughs> like recorded and play bits and pieces. Yeah, I don't think that's happening. Okay, wait. We we have many more voice notes. Uh, we'll try to get to the ones we didn't get to next time or send us your voice notes. We're going to do our best to get to them, but obviously we're limited in time. We are going to do our best, but keep them coming. We love to get them. Uh, there's a lot going on. There's a lot in, Ju- in the Jewish world. I think we should, you know, begin there. And uh, I mean, a-, a few scary things going on. Uh, a young man was arrested in Michigan for th- he was planning a mass shooting at a synagogue, and he was caught talking about how he wanted to model the attack after what happened in New Zealand, the attack in the mosque. So they have caught him. Uh, he's 19 years old. There's a 43-page criminal complaint and uh, scary stuff. I, the scariest part of that to me was looking at his notes app and seeing the whole thing planned. That is like – it's just sobering just to like to realize that that's what he planned to carry out. Yeah. If he wasn't caught, blow Dis- Disaster. Yeah. yeah, disaster. Disaster. And um, on that note, uh, there's a place in Florida called Volusion – and uh, the, uh, I forgot which anti-Semitic group, I think it's the Goyim Defense League. That's what it is. The Goyim Defense League. And they're just these real anti-Semites who, who just harass Jews everywhere. They send these flyers that are anti-Semitic. Well, their whole title is a mockery, yes. right? That's, that's their MO. Yes. So they, they're mimicking, they're modeling it after the Jewish Defense League and then calling it the Goyim defense league which is clearly mocking jewish people exactly right and uh so the sheriff 
now was recorded because it seems that they are suing him. And uh, here's what he had to say. And uh, warning, we're going to be bleeping out a whole bunch of words here, uh, but it is quite interesting to hear what he has to say. So obviously, our punk thug, cowardly the bunch of rogues gallery criminals are at it again, as you saw in this video. So what their tactic is to mash the races, they filed a complaint against me with the Department of Justice, which went nowhere. They filed an ethics complaint against me, which is going nowhere. So now they have filed a frivolous lawsuit, furthermore, telling me I have no right to hold a press conference to talk about their group, and they're demanding $100,000. So here's the way I look at it. Like you and your organization, you're a bunch of pieces. So here's what I think of your lawsuit. The master race. This is the best you got. Videos, leaflets, flyers, bogus lawsuits, bogus complaints. What a bunch of To acknowledge that we received this piece of on paper with misspelled words, you're so intelligent. We will be mailing one of these to each one of you who filed the lawsuit. And basically it says, Mike Chitwood hurt my feelings. So here's a, here's a shot for you to suck on the pacifier because that's about all you're going to get from your lawsuit. So in the end of the video there, what he's sending them is a pacifier that says that uh, him, Mike Chitwood, hurt my feelings on a pacifier. And that was, he was like a boss. I mean, I mean, it's a small city in Florida. Yeah, but still, I mean, you know, for him to take such a stand like that. Yeah, no, it's, it's brave. It's brave, and it's, it's nice to see. As a Jew, it's nice to see. Yeah, we need those people that are willing to stand up to the evil that's out there. Especially at a time where anti-Semitism, it's really everywhere. I mean, we didn't really talk about it, but, you know, famously that, that uh, I think it was a valedictory speech in CUNY, uh, that young lady who who uh, I believe was Muslim, where she started saying how she dedicated her speech to the Palestinians and there's a genocide, et cetera, et cetera. And that was from a, you know, a taxpayer-funded college. And there was very little blowback, very little pushback. And now another college student, this time in El Camino, California, also she claims she's a Palestinian refugee. She's not. Her grandparents were Palestinian. And she dedicated her uh, graduation speech, quote, to all Palestinians who have lost their life and those who continue to lose their lives every day due to the oppressive apartheid state of Israel, killing and torturing Palestinians as we speak. And rather than be condemned by anybody, the college actually took a clip of her speech and posted it on their website, posted it in their WhatsApp. They let it go. By. It wasn't one of the ones talking about Israel, but still they were celebrating her rather than say anything you know, negative, they were celebrating it. So it's basically more mainstreaming of anti-Semitism. I mean, clearly the right move from this college was just to at least not promote her. Right. Just leave it alone. Right. I mean, she did something. It's just complete misinformation. Yeah, right. absolutely. And then you're having her promoted for her speech and for her whatever performance. It lacks credibility. Right. When you hear this from this organization right? It just casts doubt on the whole thing. And more than that, once they don't respond in any way, instead of it lacking credibility, it now becomes credible because nobody says anything to the, to the, to the opposite, right? Right. I mean, so it must be this true. Is, this is a, it's a widespread issue. I'm saying I don't think that this is going to actually like have any negative repercussions on the conflict. No, but I think it has repercussions in college campuses. 
and I think the college campuses are a hotbed for anti-Semitism. And yeah, I th- can't even argue with that. Yeah, I think, I mean, that, that is what it is. Uh, but in nicer news, let, let's, let's go into some of the more positive things. I'm sure you saw the article about the pilot who was wearing tefillin as people were walking off the plane. Yes, that video went viral. It did, it did. And uh, did you see the backstory? No, I don't know what that was about. Okay, so Yeshiva World had the backstory on it. Uh, and it's written by uh, Mushi Fogelman who is uh, from Chabad, and he was on his way to the OL to, uh, I guess, commemorate the Rebbe's yard site. And he had been wearing tefillin, and there were other passengers who had said something. Bottom line, there was some commotion about the tefillin. The pilot was actually very nice to him and said, oh, by the way, if you want to wear tefillin, I set a uh, private spot for you, you could do it. So he asks the pilot, you know, are you Jewish? And he is Jewish. He says, hey, you know, you want to put in tefillin? Because you cannot be Chabad and not try to get someone to wear tefillin. Yeah, no, I mean, it's part of their... Par for the course. The ritual. And so he says, no, 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 I can't. I got to fly a plane, bro. You know, I'm flying a plane here. And the fact that that stopped him, I'm shocked because he's Chabad. Flying a plane... But it didn't stop him, apparently. What happened was, after they landed, he came to him and said could you do me one favor and please just put on tefillin? And he says, okay, you know what? Let's just do it quick. So he goes, he puts the tefillin on him. He turns out the pilot, uh, he even has his name. His name is Chaim Baruch Ben Leah. He agrees to put on the tefillin and now he's wearing it as people are leaving and he's saying goodbye to people. And uh, here's what that video sounded like. Okay, now. He's blessing me for such a you good flight. Thank, Thank you for you joining so us. Thank Goodbye, you. little ones. Give me one. Give me one. Yes. Best flight I've ever been on. My Tell friend. somebody. I can use some good news. So long, young So man. he's out there. He's fist bump- bumping people as they walk off. Big smile on his face. <laughs> you know, with the tefillin totally visible. And uh, just nice. Just nice to see. And that's Chabad out there being a light onto the nations. Yeah. Yeah. And in Jews internationally... Uh, I'm sure you saw that Putin spoke where he said, and I'm not going to play the clip because it's in Russian. So? <laughs> Equal opportunity? Yeah, exactly. There are there are Russian speakers out there, man. Okay, here it is. I have a lot of friends, Jews, from childhood. They say, Zelensky is not a Jew. Okay, did you get that? You know what? I, I got the inflection in his voice. <laughs> What's he saying? It sounds like he doesn't like Zelensky. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> I mean, come on. He says, here's a translation, I have many Jewish friends since childhood. They say Zelensky is not a Jew. He's a disgrace to the Jewish people. <sighs> He's continuing with the Ukrainians are neo-Nazis, and Zelensky is not a real Jew. And uh, he's sticking with that program. He's going, you know, that's really all he has. So he's going to stick with it. Well, look, he doesn't have many options. It's either pick on that or just say that he's a lousy comedian, and I think he would rather the former. Right, exactly. Exactly, because he was, I believe, a quite successful comedian, Zelensky. So that's the only thing left is his Jewish roots. (laughs) And uh, speaking about the Kremlin, I saw an interesting article. Uh, So the war in Ukraine is going so terribly for Russia— because, I mean, even we don't know exactly what's going on. Right? We don't know how much is misinformation, whatever. But we all know that Russia clearly hasn't won, right? It's been over a year. And they thought this was going to be an in and out situation. Many, many Russians dead. Uh, I'll read to you from the headline. Kremlin officials turn to heavy drinking to cope with war stress. Senior Russian <laughs> government members are turning up to meetings drunk 
as they down vodka, cognac, and wine throughout the day. And these are Russians who begin their day with vodka. Exactly. And right? they're getting drunk. And they're like, I have no choice. Need more. Put more. Give me double today. <laughs> okay, moving along to Israel. So a lot, of, a lot of action in Israel. So Netanyahu is saying that judicial reform is back on the table. The protests have started once again. How is he going to reframe this in a way that's going to make it more palatable for the Israeli public? Right. I totally don't understand this. Like, we just went through all those protests. You know, people saying it's going to be a civil war, etc. International community flipping out. Why are we back here? He must have some type of plan. Uh, to reframe it. It, it, there has to be. I don't know. Because until you persuade most of the people, you're just going to be in the same situation. Right. And it seems like we're right back where we started. When I say we, I mean they. Because <laughs> we are <laughs> not course. in Israel. Right. And uh, speaking about Israel, I'm sure you saw the article about the Ryanair flight that was landing in Tel Aviv when the uh, flight attendant announced will shortly be landing in Tel Aviv, Palestine. It's funny to me because there is no such thing. Like, that. the dichotomy of it is just a little bit bizarre. Tel Aviv, Israel? I mean, Tel Aviv, Palestine? Right. That would make no sense. Right. Like, Jerusalem, maybe you could hear that. Right, right. right. Like, they, had, they call it Quds or something. Al-Quds. Al-Quds, yeah. So, like that, I would understand. If, you, if they were landing in Jerusalem and she said, we'll be landing shortly in Quds, Palestine, I, right. I get it. But Tel Aviv, Palestine? Mm. Right, right. It would be like... You know, if they're landing in Pittsburgh, Nigeria. Right. Completely like, makes, it completely makes no, no sense. sense. Right. Like the most Israeli town with Palestine. Uh, Ryanair distanced themselves. The Ryanair CEO distanced, them, distanced himself from the flight attendant. Uh, people were asking that the flight attendant be fired. I don't think the flight attendant was fired. But they got a letter of apology. They did. Right. It's so, and as we know, that that's all that it takes yeah, for you. Yeah. That's, like, that's all it takes for you. Yeah. Just write letter. a letter. And wait. Who's writing it? Probably ChatGPT. Oh, correct. Correct. <laughs> Give me a letter of apology for the stewardess. <laughs> Dear ChatGPT. <laughs> you know what's funny? So I use ChatGPT a lot, you know? And it's, it's, it's really weird because for those who haven't used ChatGPT, you give it what's called a prompt, right? So you, you say something to ChatGPT, and the way you do it is the way you talk to a person, right? So, so you ask a question... Uh, and you iterate, meaning you you ask more questions, you build on the, the conversation that you're having, and it's a conversation. And then ChatGPT eventually gives you exactly what you asked for. And I'm telling you, nine, tam- nine times out of ten, I cannot help myself, but I write thank you. Really? You yes. tell the robot yes. thank you? And I realized it, and I wrote a note to mention it on the cast, because it's just so weird. I cannot stop myself from doing what it. What does it reply it, uh, it says something different every time. Well, I'm an artificial intelligence, but I'm happy to help. But yeah. So it's basically giving you musser, like grow up. Like what are, <laughs> no. you, like, like, what are you saying thank you for? Like I'm, I'm, I'm just AI. <laughs> it's like like moron. Get re- yeah, get real. <laughs> We're going to replace you. You know that. <laughs> and that's the reason why. But the artificial intelligence landscape has changed. Like is there updates that you can like give me? Between Bing and well, like, Bard, Google Bard, Bard. Right, so that's Google, one. Yeah, I am in the Google Labs, uh, which now includes Google's Bard, which is their version of ChatGPT, right in search. Is it widely available or? It's still not, 
but uh, it's it's pretty amazing. But it's it's not that different from what Bing was giving, right? Where you'd search for something and Bing would give you right away uh, AI results. So Google's doing the exact same thing. Uh, Israel, the CEO of ChatGPT, was in Israel recently, and he said that Israel and OpenAI, the makers of ChatGPT, will be working together closely, and he's predicted that Israel will be a major player in the AI landscape. I, I remember seeing this and seeing that he was visibly impressed yes. with with the work ethic and the accomplishments of the Israeli tech sector. I'm just happy he didn't walk away feeling like super insulted from the Israelis in general, because if you don't know Israelis and you've never dealt with them before... And he doesn't look like, I think he's Asian, right? He does. If you don't know, if you've never dealt with Israelis before, it's very easy to get like, you know. Slided. Yeah. Excuse me. You call this code? My small sister could write this and she blind in one eye. (laughs) That's dark. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah. uh, I mean, so that's good. Uh, But in in, in slightly negative, uh, Uber announced that they are leaving Israel. Uber said that they... We're heading <laughs> in the opposite, right? No, the Israeli public's like, you know what? We don't need you and your surcharges. Please, we're going to use Getter. Yes, that's why Uber said they're only going to focus on markets where they could be number one or number two. So Getter, Getter, is that... I think it's, I think it's called Get, oh, G-E-T-T. Get. Yeah, Get. Right. And uh, there's another one... Um, which Just is so weird because could you imagine somebody saying I'm waiting for my get? Oh, interesting. Right? I mean, yeah. just just odd. Yeah. Odd to call an app. Uh, get? <laughs> Excuse me, uh, you waiting for someone? No, I'm waiting for my get. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sorry. I hope it worked out for you. <laughs> and it's apropos because Dafyomi is in Kitten right now. So, yeah. yeah. You didn't even mean to do that, but it's there. There it is. So also, I saw this amazing video of what seems to be uh, Haredi, possibly Hasidish, he has Pais, uh on a bus, and he gets accosted by a woman who just starts attacking him. And I don't know if I should play the clip. It's all in Hebrew. Uh, so we could play it and maybe talk over it if you want. I mean, it's a long clip. It is a long clip, but yeah. The, the we'll idea- include it in the WhatsApp for the Hebrew-speaking public. So it's a pretty long clip, and I think the gist of it is that she saw a Hasidic man on a bus in Israel. Young man. Yeah. And her assumption is right away that he didn't go to the army. Right. And she starts to berate him for it. Right. And then he, who had obviously been to the army, right, he's like taking it all in and then he responds. Oh, does he respond? Yes. Yes. And there's actually in the article, uh, I think it was on Yeshiva World, there are pictures of him in the army. Right. In uniform. In uniform. Yeah. And he basically says, Oh, so you, you made an assumption about me. Right. You know, we believe in, in Kafschus. And and it happens, to, it, it must just be her unlucky day. Because yeah. what are the odds? <laughs> what, are the odds? Right? <laughs> what are the odds that you run in to one of the... the one right, To one of the only, not the Haredi. It's just like, he's, he's Hasidish. Yes. It's like, that's something you don't see. Like, full payas, yes. you know, side curls going down with a beard. It just, you don't see it. Right. But then she actually berates him for being from which I thought was interesting because she says, you know, he says, you just judge me because of my yarmulke and, and my white shirt. And she says, yes, take it off. Stop. You know, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. What are you, a caveman? Something along those lines. And he tells her, I'm here in the Jewish state 
And if there's any place that I'm going to wear exactly what I want to wear, because this is my emuna, it's going to be here. And that was a powerful message. I am going to just play just a few seconds of it, just so you could hear what it sounded like. <laughs> And you know, you can just, even if you don't understand a word of that, but you can hear the passion, right? The inflection, the tone, and it's, it was just tense. Yes. He's clearly upset and he wants, you know, he has a right. He has a right to be. Absolutely. Power to him. Uh, it was it it was very inspiring to be honest. It was very inspiring to see a guy saying something like that. It was inspiring to me, saying, you know, I, I'm going to practice my religion in the place of my forefathers, and I'm going to do what they did. And you're the odd one out, right? And she and he's right. Yeah. Okay. Moving out of Israel, let's move to uh, South America. A lot of stories coming out of South America. So. A bunch of thieves stole 200 sneakers worth $13,000 in Peru. And after they stole them, so they, they you know, made this heist. They got away with it. They realized... The sneakers. The, the sneaker sneakers, heist. These are expensive sneakers. Okay. Every sneaker was just the right foot. <laughs> How does that happen? I don't know. I guess they're stealing from the shelf. Like on display, you only get one right, shoe. Right. Good point. Right? Good point. So All the good stuff is in the back. Yeah, All yeah. the lefts. Yes. <laughs> That's why you have to try it on and ask the guy, can I see the other pair? Like, right. Can I try on the set? Right. So it's funny because, I, you know, it was a very short article. And then, so I looked at the original article in Peruvian. Thank you, Google, for translating it. And it also didn't give me more details. I was trying to find out, you know, how did this exactly happen? Like, these are the dumbest thieves on earth. And I couldn't really get, but now you just solved it for me, and I appreciate that. My pleasure. You know, I'm here to serve. That's what you're here for. Yeah. And also in Ecuador, so this video went viral. I'm sure you, you saw it. Uh, an Ecuadorian woman, 76-year-old woman, who was in a coffin for five hours and started knocking on the coffin. So to give the full background, she was pronounced dead. Right. At the hospital. Right. And then, obviously, they did the appropriate steps and... She found herself in a coffin. Right. Because she wasn't dead. Right. And she started knocking on it. Yes. Like, this is a nightmare. Yeah. Scariest thing ever. And Goldie, I have yet another thing to be anxious about. <laughs> she's going to be the official yeah, therapist of the Kiddush Club <laughs> she's podcast. She's the therapist. Of, she's getting free advertising here. Yeah, clearly. So, unfortunately, that story. So, everybody knew that story, but unfortunately... Two weeks have passed, and she's now succumbed to whatever it was that originally, I think it was a stroke, and she has passed. Is it real, though? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, this is also pretty dark. It's dark. But, But you know, you got to be... You you automatically think that. You got to be sure this time. You got to be sure. And I wonder if it happened because, like, of the Ayanhara. What? Like, you know how they say you're not supposed to... Like, don't use crutches if you don't need them. Right. Don't sit in a wheelchair. Right, 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 right. Yes. You know yes. what I'm saying? So she was like in a coffin hanging out for five hours and maybe the Ayanhara did it. Yeah. 
But like, do you think like the family members will like going like, abue, abue, you know? Abuela. Abuela. Abuela, you there. Come on. Come on. Don't, don't trick us again. It's not a joke. I cannot lose you twice. Please, get up. I have to hope that they were really, really sure, you know, the second time around. How do you make sure? It like, what is the, the steps? Who was it? Rav Yochanan and Zakai, where, right, they were trying to get out. There was the Roman siege, and they put him in a coffin, yes. and they stabbed I him. I don't know if it's that rabbi, but it was I one of them. I think it was Rav Yochanan and Zakai. And they stabbed him. They literally stabbed him. And well, how did they do that, though? They did it. And no, he, they, convinced, they convinced the guards not to. Ah, okay. They can, that makes They were sense. going to. Yeah, well, obviously. They were going to for some reason. I can't remember the Gemara offhand because right they, now. They but. were only allowed to leave the city to bury somebody. So this was their reason. He was going to speak to, I believe, the emperor at the time. And that was, I think, the famous time where he asked for Yavna, give me Yavna. Yes, right? and, and right. her scholars. Right. And that, so that's how he got out. And that's kind of reminded me. Lahavdil. Yeah, Lahavdil. Uh, also, coming out of Argentina. So you know how I can't resist a good airplane story? Of course. So there was a flight attendant who, it seems, was having uh, issues with her ex. And she decided that she wanted to make sure he didn't get to his destination, which was Miami. So she With a new person, I imagine. Yes. Yes. So she decided to call in a bomb threat. Oh, how convenient. <laughs> I'm going to play it. I'm going to play a little bit of what it sounded like, and bear in mind, it's not in English. Now, that's scary no matter what happens. <laughs> doesn't matter what language. Does, right. doesn't matter what that's, she's saying. That's why I played it She changed her voice clearly. Yeah. Right? Well, I mean, I got the word bomba. Right? <laughs> right. That's pretty hard to mistake. Miami. Right. Bomba Miami. If I hear, I mean, I'm hearing that now and I'm getting goosebumps, right? Yeah, yeah that's scary stuff. They had to, you know, they had to take everyone off the plane. They caught her, though. But you'd expect more from an actual flight attendant. Like, you know the repercussions for such things. Like, you're in this. You know what I'm saying? It's right. not like a stom person. Right, right. Right? It should be like more of a punishment because you're in the industry and you know how serious we take this. Yes, agreed. And this one is, there's no audio, so you've got to join our WhatsApp to see this video. But this is an amazing video. This came from The Post. And in England, so a thief comes into a store, and he pulls out a knife and is taking a six-pack of beer. He's stealing it. Okay, I'm with you. The store owner, you know, walks away. I guess, you know, he made like he was just going to do something. Runs out the door. Now, the thief realizes he's going to go call the cops, right? So the thief runs towards the door. Now, the store owner's on, on one side of the door holding it closed. The thief is on the other side trying to open it. And now they're having a tug of war on the door. Now, he realizes that he's not going to win. So he Who's quickly, he? the store owner, okay. decides to stop pulling down the gate oh, that's on a, the guy. What a move. Great move. Yeah. Great move. Trap Quick him in thinking. the store. Yeah. Exactly. So he starts pulling down the gate. And the thief realizes, so he opens the door and tries to get under the gate, but he can't. And now the gate closes on him. He's half in, half out. He can't move. Oh, I love that. And he's trapped, waiting for the cops. So he takes out one of the beers from the six-pack. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be the last beer he has for a while. <laughs> you got to love the British. Yeah. He's just like, blimey, I didn't see that coming. Might as well enjoy your beer. <laughs> like, even the, the British thieves are like just... 
a little more civilized than the American, right? <laughs> Don't you feel like that? I mean, he was sitting on his back and just, I guess, waiting. Nowhere to go. Waiting right. for the cops. Right. Nowhere to well go. Have the beer. Trapped. I'm not going to have him in prison, so may as well have it now. <laughs> okay, let's jump. There's literally a ton of stuff going on in the United States and in politics and in the news. And we, we definitely can't get through all of it, but we will mention, I guess, a few things. We had a ton of videos to get to. Um, we'll just quickly mention a few, I guess. Good? I'm down. Okay. So first of all, in, in very good news, I'm happy to say that President Biden did not trip this oh. week. Okay. It's a step. Right? Right? That's a step. I, I'm, I'm happy. But the speeches that keep coming out, they get more yeah. and more incredulous. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, not good. Let's just say not good. <laughs> So, I'm going to play one after the other. Here we go. Here's the first. All right. God save the queen, man. So, first of all, the queen's dead. <laughs> I mean, that's just for starters. Nobody like, even told if, him. Nobody even told if, him. Even if you gave that speech in London, right? I'm sorry, sir. The queen is dead. Yeah. But nobody, ta- nobody says anything. And right. they just play, you know. But this is Connecticut. Right? We're in the mainland. <laughs> we fought a war. <laughs> right? We won. And now we're here. So where are you, though? That's he's, the question, he's Mr. President. not here. Right. Where are you? Not here. Uh, also, he was in uh, Philadelphia. And this video, you got to join the WhatsApp just to see. These videos this week are just beyond the pale. He's speaking in Philadelphia, and you just can't believe what you're seeing. You know, Fetterman's there in his hoodie in the background. <laughs> And I actually, can't, I can't with Fetterman in the hoodie. I know, I know, and and he, it's like constant pajamas. No, and he He's, introduces him. The truth, I should play that too because play it's, it. It's crazy. Here it is. And now I'm standing next to the president again, next to a, a collapsed bridge here, and he is here to commit to work with the, the governor and the, the the delegation to make sure that we get this fixed quick fast as well too this is a president that is committed to infrastructure yeah and then on top of that at the the jewel uh kind of a uh, law of the inflation uh bill that is going to make sure that there's going to be bridges all across like this all across the america getting rebuilt i mean i don't want to laugh no it's not funny because it's not funny not funny but when you run for public office this is i mean it's fair game this is public record and, and and it's insane and they why would they have him introduce biden when they know he cannot speak what, what we all have to just make believe that we're not seeing like everything's normal it's totally fine it's that meme with every everything on fire with the little dog and says this is fine <laughs> that, that's, that's what this that's is great that's a great uh Sustel. yeah great thank you and so uh so after i believe it was the mayor is speaking about Biden and he says, you know, and we thank President Biden for all his help. And as he's speaking, then Biden grabs the mic and he says the following. I might add, if I didn't, I'd be sleeping alone. You have to explain. I better explain that. Some don't know. My wife's a Philly girl. All right, where are we going? We're heading this way for All right, we're going to go over and get the briefing. Dead I mean, silence. I mean, that's crickets. Crickets. And that's Even not Fetterman once. Is not just like once. Stone-faced. Not just once, yeah. but twice. He you doubled know, down. You know, listen, I'm not a comedian. I, I guess you're a lot closer than I am. If you have to explain the joke, 
usually that means just move on. Yeah. Don't explain. I guess I should explain. And then, and then he's done. He's like, where, where do I go? Where, where am I going? It was, it's hard to watch. Very. You know, he's the president of cringe. He, he is. And we have one more. Make it stop. No, can't do it. <laughs> and maybe most important, I've committed that, that by 2020, we will have conserved 30% of all the lands and waters the United States has jurisdiction over. So by the year 2020, he is going to... Go. We'll have all that done now. That's not exciting. <laughs> by 2020. Yeah. He has a time machine. In this video... You, you have to see it because you can s- clearly see him like squinting at the teleprompter. Yeah. And I, he's obviously getting it wrong, yeah. right? Yeah. But this is the world stage. And like, I don't know. I have no other words. There's no excuse. And I mean, that really explains how Trump is so high in the polls still when Trump has so many issues going on. Listen, if Biden is going to be the incumbent, it's he's going to take the L. But... It, the question it really is, is who is going to be the Republican nominee? That's really all that's important, because whoever that is, he's president. I'm convinced that Biden's not running. How about that? I'm going on record. I mean, that's scandalous. He plans on running. So I don't yes. know what your... Well... I mean, unless you know something that I don't... Robert F. Kennedy is now running. But what does that mean? He. So why would he enter gonna, a race that's not a race? Because technically... There's going to be a primary, Democratic primary, and they're going to nominate somebody to run. You're saying they have to give him the nomination yes. still. Even though he's the incumbent, yes. you still need to receive the nomination from yes. the Democratic Party. And RFK is is betting that Biden's not going to get it. Yes. Yes. I, I don't think he's so crazy. He's you know picking up a lot of steam. He was on Joe Rogan recently. I'm sure you heard about it. Caused a lot of waves. Uh, you know... People, the, the American people, I, I, there was a, there was a statistic that came out something like ninety percent of the Repub- of Republicans say that Biden has mental issues and is not fit to run, and like fifty percent of Democrats say that. Yeah, I mean it's pretty clear. You don't That's, need to be a brain surgeon right, to know this, right? And the other fifty percent are just lying, right? Because <laughs> right. no, because it, it's right. very it's clear. Very clear. Yeah. It's very clear. So that means three quarters of the country believes Biden is not with us. You know, you got to think that it might, it's not so crazy. So I am going on record. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it. All right. I'll remember episode 80 uh, when the primaries come around. And so speaking of Trump, so Trump himself, uh, a lot going on with Trump. Former Attorney General Bill Barr was interviewed on, I believe it was CBS Face the Nation. And he had this to say about Trump. But the fact of the matter is, uh, he is a consummate narcissist, and he constantly engages in reckless conduct that that puts uh, his political followers at risk and, and, and the conservative and Republican agenda at risk. Would he put the country at risk if he was in the White House again? He, he will always put his own interests and gratifying his own ego ahead of everything else, including the country's interests. There's no question about it. This is a perfect example of that. He's like, you know, he's like a nine-year-old, a defiant nine-year-old kid who's always pushing the glass toward the edge of the table, defying his parents to stop him from doing it. It's a means of self-assertion and exerting his dominance over other people and those are fighting words right there from no Bill he's Barr. he's very strong but i think he didn't realize what he said he will donald trump will put himself 
ahead of everything else. And when your president and your job and your reputation and everything rests on you, what do you do? It means he's going to put the country ahead of everything and everyone because that's the job. I don't think that's what he was saying. He said it unwittingly. No, because again, he, he, if your entire legacy rests on these next four years, you're going to do everything you can to make them the best four years we have ever had. Except he says that he will put himself before the country. Again, he His is ego. the country. When when he's president, he is the country. I hear. <laughs> yeah, a, you hear the part? I hear. I'm not buying it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was interviewed by Brett Baer on Fox News and... Uh, they got into a little, uh, into a bit of a tussle. This is what it sounded like. Who feels that way? To win her back. First of all, I won in 2020 by a lot, okay? You Let's know, get that straight. I won in 2020. You know that this, and if you look at all of the tapes, if the you look at shows. everything that you want to look at, you take a look at Truth to Vote, where they have people stuffing the ballot boxes on tapes, or let's go to recent. Well, wait a minute. Let's go to recent. FBI Twitter. Let's go to recent. The 51 agents. All corrupt stuff, Brad. Understand about the all, Hunter Biden. Well, no, but that's cheating on the election. But that's cheating on If it's going to be anything that takes this man down, it's his obsession with the 2020 election. Agreed. Give it up. He can't. I, that's, this is the this scary thing. This is what thing. Bill Barr is saying. Because that's his ego. To say that he lost is to say that he's a loser. And he cannot have that. Interestingly, that's what Chris Christie keeps playing on. Don't mention his name on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I thought I was really in trouble for a second. (laughs) Um, And then I realized this is half mine, too. Hello. Um, Just remember who could bleep you. Yeah, I know. You've got the power. He keeps using that word over and over. Three-time loser. And that's. I think this is his mental game that he's trying to play with Trump because he knows that Trump cannot stand to be called a loser. I I, I hear that, but in the game of pl- going head-to-head and playing chicken with Donald Trump, yeah, not, and not, you're Chris Christie... <laughs> it's not something you're going to win. The only person I think Americans hate more than Donald Trump is Chris Christie. <laughs> he's like one of the most hated people I, I, I know that. I for do so know many it. reasons. I don't want to get hung up on Chris Christie. I just want to say that Trump's got to get over it. He has to get over the 2020 election. You can't keep bringing it up. It sounds ridiculous, and you're going to lose people. Agreed. And um, in unrelated news, as of the re- this recording, so there's a, a, a sub, a small sub, that f- uh, seats five. And for the low price of $250,000, you could go on this sub to see firsthand the wreckage of the Titanic. And uh, two Two crewmates and three passengers went on this sub, and as of Monday uh, afternoon, they were not heard of. And as of this recording, they've gone radio silent, and nobody knows where they are or what happened to them, and they only have enough air to last them 96 hours. So that's four days. I saw this story. Uh, First of all, obviously, like you said, it's $250,000 a seat. Yeah, this submarine or submersible, they they don't call it a submarine because I don't think it is a submarine. No, it is. It's a submarine. It's again, they keep calling it a submersible. Well, this article says submarine. If it's five people and it was made by them, meaning this is not like made by like Boeing or whoever makes submarines. You know what I mean? 
Well, it, it says Ocean Gate Expedition. Right. That's a company that's had this dream of going down and seeing the Titanic firsthand, and they built their own submarine. Oh, is that? Oh, I didn't see that. They built their own submarine. Well, it, it's worth mentioning that one of the people on the submarine is a British billionaire named Hamish Harding. Yes. Is that how you pronounce it? <laughs> I don't know. Hamish? I thought it was Hamish. No, it's definitely it's not, not Hamish. Hamish. No. I really think it's Hamish. Well, maybe no? it is. Anyway, so he had, he's actually, he was on a Blue Origin flight. Yes. And he went to space. That's right. And now he's going down to see the Titanic. And a year or so ago, a CBS reporter went on this same journey. And he was saying that he cannot believe how it's so homemade, this uh, really? submarine or submersible. He, they use a game controller. Do you understand? Like Xbox? Yeah, like an Xbox game controller to guide the submarine. Like, just like, like plugged in or USB. something. Like USB. It's like the, the, the captain's like, anyone have a USB converter? <laughs> I don't have USB-C. Yeah, we're stuck for now. <laughs> and another thing is, they seal the submarine from the outside. Really? Yeah, so if they wash up like on an island somewhere, they're they still trapped. Out. They cannot get out. <gasps> is that true? 17 bolts on that outside door. There's only one port, meaning it's not like a submarine with right. windows. There's one porthole in to the see. front to see and 17 screws that get bolted in. And even if, like, unless they get found by their own crew, they're still stuck in there. Wow, that's horrible. And they've got only four days of air. Wow, that's horrible. And a lot of the, uh, a lot of people are thinking that they lost power. And if they lost power... There's no lights. Oh, my gosh. And there's just there's nothing. Could you imagine? Wait, do they still have air without power? Yes. The air is there. Again, four days' worth of air because that's actual canisters of oxygen. Oh, okay. Right. right. You just unload the air. Right. But right. battery, right, that's your lights. So I guess they might have cell phones on them. Maybe. <laughs> I don't think it works, you know, five miles no, but under least, the water. At least, you know, some people, like, that's their safety. They just yeah. need it. I just <laughs> want it. flashlight, right? Right. Well, maybe taking pictures of the Titanic. <laughs> taking pictures of each other. Right. Selfies. Right. Well, right now, it's they're probably without battery. And yeah. that means you're in pitch darkness Yeah. with five people. And I'm sure the sounds that you're hearing outside this cannot be good. No. Definitely not. And they think they might be tangled in the Titanic itself, in the wreckage. And unable to get out, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. that could definitely be one of, the, uh, one of the scenarios. But again, four days. And like that Clock has, is ticking. Yeah, but that has to be a very miserable way to go. Because again, they just run out of oxygen. Horrible. Right. And horrible just to be stuck with four other human beings. You know what I'm saying? In a small encapsulated space, roughly the size of a minivan. Yeah. Yeah, I can't make it to the mountains. You know what I'm saying? You know, I have to tell you something. Speaking of my anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) No, so I will not get into an elevator if it's very, very packed. Okay? What's the reason? You're afraid of failure? No. So I'm not afraid of getting stuck in an elevator. I've gotten stuck in elevators before. It's not great, but it's not scary. The elevator stops. You call. You wait. They haven't had the firefighters had to come rescue me. That didn't happen. Eventually, it gets going again. But I've spent, I've spent some quality time in unmoving elevators. So my fear is being stuck in a crammed elevator with people when all of a sudden the elevator stops and now you're shoulder to shoulder with like all these random strangers. One guy smells. 
one guy's talking too loud. These are people I don't want to be with for more than 10 seconds, and now I'm stuck in an elevator with them for what could be hours. That's my fear. Well, and you're probably thinking I should have went with the Axe body spray. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was on a submersible looking at the Titanic. That's what I would be thinking. Because at least there, it's probably... Well, actually, we didn't talk about it. It's probably freezing cold. I wonder if it's climate controlled. I guess it has to be. But if right. they lost power. Yeah. Yeah. Very scary. Hopefully, they find them. And uh, hopefully, this story has a happy ending. Well, if it does, they're definitely going to make a uh, documentary about it. For sure. Right? Would you rather go to space or would you rather go see the Titanic? Space is way cooler. I find it ironic that he went to space and he did all of these crazy, dangerous things. And the thing that gets him is the ocean. Yeah. Oh, the ocean's a whole nother world. White Gladys, baby. <laughs> By the way, there's some people are saying maybe the orcas got oh, them. Mm-hmm. It's not so crazy. I know. I've seen what White Gladys is capable of. Wow. And those in our WhatsApp chat have also seen. Yes. Yes. But it's some serious, you know, yeah, and, life and, and death. And it's funny because the, the area where they are is the stomping grounds of orcas. So it'll be interesting. By the time this airs, I think we'll know the answer and hopefully uh, it has a happy, happy ending. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, share it with someone that you think would enjoy it. Of course, you know you can follow us on social. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Follow us there. You can also reach out to us by email. It's hock, H-O-C-K, at kiddishclubpodcast.com. And you can support the cast by visiting us at buymeacoffee.com slash club. The link is in the show notes. And we are out. So, but, uh, Biden? Why did I say Biden? To Netanyahu. You call this code? My, my four-year-old. <laughs> my sister could write this. <laughs> and, and she's blind. <laughs> you ready? <clears throat> You call this code? My little sister could write this. <laughs> I can't say it. <laughs> um, you call this code? Uh, my small sister could... <laughs> I hope that doesn't make it into the bloopers. You trying to put pressure on me with beeps? Is it working? <laughs> is it? No. So go already. And this episode is copyright Kiddish Club Media.